This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. All right, good morning, everyone. Please turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. We're in a series on the book of Acts, and this morning we are in the last verses of Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, if you'll raise your hand, our ushers will bring you a copy and give it to you as our gift. You can follow along this morning, take it home with you. Acts chapter 2, this is God's word. We have the privilege of reading it and looking at it closely this morning. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Love the church. I think that's what the Lord wants to accomplish in our midst this morning as we read Acts chapter 2. I hope you love our church. I hope you love a local church somewhere. But I think we all can and should love this church. I think that's why this is in the scriptures. This is, as Paul says in Acts chapter 20, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. We have the opportunity to grow in our love for this church this morning. R.C. Sproul wrote in his book, The Glory of Christ, Jesus' life was marked by humiliation and suffering. His humanity served as a veil that concealed the splendor of his deity. Yet there were moments when his glory shone through 
It was as if the vessel of his human nature was not strong enough to conceal it at all times. Though, though the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Christ's bodily, it could not be restricted to his human nature, nor held in subjection by it. Today is, as Zach said, Palm Sunday, when the church has traditionally celebrated Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem one week before he was raised from the dead on Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday was one of those moments that Dr. Sproul spoke about or wrote about when his glory shone through. All four of the Gospels record this event. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, a colt, in fulfillment of a prophecy given by Zechariah. His disciples put their cloaks on the colt for him to ride on as he rode into Jerusalem. There were great crowds of his di disciples and the whole multitude spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the palm trees in the fields and laid them on the roads. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. Luke, in his gospel, who's the author of Acts, records that as Jesus rode in, the great crowds began to rejoice. They began to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen Jesus do. Luke 19, blessed is the king. And John adds, even the king of Israel, who comes in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Mark 11, Hosanna. That comes from Psalm 118, which was one of the psalms that the pilgrims would read as they came into Jerusalem. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Some people were asking, who is this? And some people were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth. But the Pharisees in the crowd, they were, they were simply telling Jesus to rebuke his disciples. Tell them to be quiet. And Jesus said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Again, Dr. Sproul, Jesus declares that it's impossible to keep the earth quiet about his messianic vocation. If the people are silent, there will be a cry from the inanimate objects of nature. The creation cannot deny what the Pharisees are willing to deny. The Messiah of Israel is no mere earthly king. He is a cosmic king. His domain is the entire order of his own creation. Those elements of creation that are mute will be moved to shouting if the lips of men are sealed. John said in his gospel, Jesus' disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, like we've read about in the first chapters of Acts, then they remembered these things 
They remembered that they had been written about him and had been done to him. In Acts 2, Jesus has been glorified. They remembered these things. They remembered that first Palm Sunday. He laid aside his glory to die for every believer in this room, for me and you. At times like Palm Sunday, his glory, even though he had laid, us, laid it aside, it would come through. But in our text, in Acts chapter 2, his humiliation is over. Today, his humiliation is over. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he is glorified. In verse 43, it says, All came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All, the, the footnote in your Bible may say fear. There should always be this sense of awe in the church because of his glory. There should always be a sense of the fear of the Lord. He has poured his spirit out on the church. He is Lord. He is present in his church. The church is glad. The church praises him. We should shout today, blessed is the king. Glory in the highest. And may we be like this model church. It's laid out for us here. For that very reason. May there be a sense of awe. Because he's present through his spirit. Father, I, I pray for that. I pray for our little church, Lord, to be filled with your presence. That's our highest goal. It's to enjoy, Lord, fellowship with you. To experience your glory. And to praise your name. Bless this study of Acts chapter 2. Help us, Lord, to see the glory of God in your church you've created. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've seen, Acts 2 records Jesus' ascension and his pouring out the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And here we have a, a description of kind of the inner life of the church in Jerusalem. It's, it's a summary passage. We'll see several of these in the book of Acts. The church's birth... The church is growing, the Spirit's at work, and Luke is kind of summarizing it. J.F. Packer says, It is by the gift of the Spirit that the new community has been created. So, the day of Pentecost, with its outpouring of the Spirit, by the ascended Lord, on the gathered company of His disciples, has been aptly called the birthday of the church. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We're going to try to look at these four elements that Luke singles out to better understand and to better love the church. Number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They met together in the temple courts. 
verse 46, for the purpose of hearing the apostles. The, the apostles were preaching, they were instructing. Remember, they had been with the risen Lord and he had imparted truth to them and they're teaching this. And the, the people, the church, is meeting together in these temple courts in Jerusalem. They would have had opportunities too in other contexts, like their, their homes, but, but they were eager. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Every opportunity. They wanted to have their faith encouraged. They wanted to be instructed. This is, this, these are the truths, the apostolic teaching that we have in our New Testament. And it, it's why it's at the center of our church life. We want to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. These, these earliest Christians, they also wanted to identify with the public preaching of the gospel. They wanted to win the Jewish people. It was, it was being this, this truth about their Messiah had come. And they had killed him, but God had raised him from the dead and he had ascended to the Father. They wanted to preach the gospel. They wanted to be there with the apostles and endorse the gospel. They were on a mission, a great commission. And they had seen him raised from the dead. And their lives had been changed. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. This is why last year we called it a heart for scripture. We were, were trying to cultivate that kind of devotion. We want to be devoted to apostolic teaching. Secondly, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, Luke says. The Greek word is koinonia. You've probably heard it. It means to share with someone in something, sharing above and beyond the relationship itself. It means to give something. To share with something you have. Share it with someone else. It's, it's the biblical conception of the church's life. Fellowship means a joint participation. That's what's going on in the Lord's Supper. We're, we're sharing in Christ. We're sharing with one another, with someone else. We're sharing Christ. That's the church's life. It's a joint participation in Christ and in His grace that we've received. We're sharing it together. We're sharing it with fellow Christians in, in this local church this morning. This is, this is the fellowship we learn in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. All true Christians share a common life. It's the life of the Spirit. It's a gift of the gospel. We, we share it together in one body. Luke is emphasizing in this summary the unity of the church. I think that's intentional. Because unity will be tested. Even in the book of Acts. 
right from the get-go. The unity of the church will be tested. And so he's emphasized, you see this, just they're united. There's no divisions in these verses we've just looked at. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. It's, it's interesting to note that he doesn't mention the gift of tongues. He doesn't mention other elements he, he could have mentioned. No doubt there were other things, but he mentions the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship. I think it's because unity is going to be tested. You're going to see it in the book of Acts. If you get a part of any church, you're going to experience it. Unity is going to be tested. I recently watched a uh, documentary called Facing Nolan. It's a documentary of one of my heroes, a major league baseball pitcher back in the day, Nolan Ryan. If you wanted to say a guy had a could throw a fastball. You said he's like Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan threw a fastball, a baseball, 108 miles per hour. Just a little bit faster than me. He, he pitched for 27 years. 27 years. At the end of his career, he was still throwing a fastball. 108 miles an hour. Back when they had no pitch count. None of you are baseball fans. Nobody cares about baseball anymore. But now they have pitch counts. They started a pitch count with him towards the end. He said, a what? So they'll let a guy pitch for so long, and then they pull him because they want to protect his arm. Mr. Ryan didn't understand that concept. He has many records because of that that will never be broken. He was selected in the Hall of Fame. This is a big deal in baseball on the first ballot. As I watched the documentary, there were hints that he was a Christian. He certainly loved his wife, and she loved him, and he loved his family. What stuck out was he was a man. This guy was a man in a world that isn't encouraging men to be men these days. Towards the end of the documentary, he was talking about his career and how he had accomplished so much. He said, I knew I had a gift, and I wanted to make the most of it. He knew he had something no one else had. He had the ability to throw a baseball hundred eight miles an hour and he wanted to make the the most of it. he knew that was a gift and so he dedicated himself to do whatever he could to make the most of what he had been given a gift is a blessing we think about the outpouring of the spirit we don't usually highlight unity that's not usually what we think of we don't, we don't emphasize and look at the unity, the fellowship, like Luke does. We highlight spiritual gifts. Ironically, the spirit that creates unity, that's why there is unity in these, in these texts. 
It's because the Spirit has created it. The irony is that the, the Spirit creates this unity and gives these gifts that often create division. Unity is hard because of diversity. Because we're all so different. And our gifts are different. And as we study the book of Acts, you're going to bump into this. You're going to need to remember. And you'll understand why he emphasized unity. He's not going to hide the problems in the church. I have no doubts that people were speaking in tongues and prophesying. Later in Acts, Luke will include these things at times. But in this first summary... Immediately after the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Spirit and the gift of tongues, these gifts aren't mentioned. Unity, the fellowship, they were devoted to the fellowship. The church is a company of people that are bound together in fellowship. And they have gifts, Romans 12. For as in one body... We have many members. The members do not all have the same function, diversity. So we, though many, are one. One body in Christ. And individually members one of another. 1 Corinthians 12, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, one spirit. Varieties of service, the same Lord. One Lord. There are varieties of activities, the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. May the Lord fill us with His Spirit. May we experience spiritual gifts. There's a great variety of them. It means our unity has to be had in diversity. We're different. Each member is unique. Each is a steward of these gifts. Like Nolan Ryan, been given a gift. I don't want to make the most of it. I want to get the most out of it. These gifts are capacity to serve other people. That's what they're for. That's why the Spirit gives them to the church. I want to make the most of it. All these different gifts. For example, did you know helping is a gift? Showing sympathy is a gift? Visiting those suffering and bringing relief to them is a gift? Giving finances is a gift? Administration? Administration is a gift. Getting things done. Managing the works, it's a gift. And so is prophesying and preaching and evangelism and signs and wonders. They're gifts. Jake Cronin was up here. We all know him. He's an evangelist. He can go downtown and make a video and talk to people and get it on film. It's crazy. Who can do that? He can. He's gifted. We've also discovered with Jake that he gets things done. 
He has a gift of administration, and he likes getting things done. Most pastors don't sign up for that. You know, they find out they have a gift of administration. They want to give it away. They want to preach God's word. They want to study at Starbucks. But serving can mean practical things. Like in verses 44 and 45, they were selling their possessions. I think this is the work of the Spirit. And their belongings. They were devoted to the fellowship. And the Spirit was at work. And there was a unity. They had everything in common. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are certainly there. What Luke is highlighting is their unity, their fellowship. They have this common faith in Christ. They've experienced the great treasure of the kingdom, fellowship with God in Christ. They're sharing it. Every, every one of us should expect a gift, and we should steward this gift. A local church is like a team. It's, everyone has a position to play, a gift, a function. And one of the biggest mistakes we can make is, is limiting the gifts of the Spirit by only thinking of them as vocal gifts or spectacular gifts. And when we do this, we limit the Spirit's work. I think we quench the Spirit. We're missing God's at work all around us, and we're not seeing it. One of my burdens is to help people see where God is at work. We don't give God the thanks He deserves. So we want to have a, a doctrine of spiritual gifts that that is aware. So often the Spirit is at work in the non-spectacular. Many members of our church. Jo Josie Reyes. Doing our, our sound this morning. She put this microphone on me this morning. She didn't know I had her in my notes. To say. She's always. Struck me as a servant. She's always quiet. She always comes up. She puts my mic on. She always gets it on right. It's not as easy as you might think. And so I asked some questions about her, and then I just got this flood of emails and texts about how wonderful she is and how she's a quiet, humble servant. She has a gift. I think she has a gift of serving, but she also has a gift to turn that thing on, whatever that is. I can't do that, can you? She understands it. She's received a gift. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. And Luke wants us to see that on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit is poured out, and spiritual gifts are abundant. Number three, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. And think about spiritual gifts as we look at this. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And then down in verse 46, day by day. So Luke wants you to know this was every day. This was regular. Day by day, attending the temple together. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord 
added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These things are taking place every day. They're attending the temple together. They're devoted to these meetings. They're devoted to kind of practical expressions of community. They're meeting in the temple courts with large groups. They were aware that God was at work in their, in their midst in a new way. It was fresh. The promises were fulfilled. They're, they're enjoying the benefits of this, this great salvation. And, and God's kindness bound them together. Bound them to Him. But it also bound them to one another in this fellowship. And, and look what they're doing. They're breaking bread together. They're breaking. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. They were eating their meals together. In the context of being devoted to this fellowship, they were breaking bread. They were eating. This is not a reference to the Lord's Supper, to communion. It, it's a description of ordinary, common meals. The Jewish people would break a loaf of bread when they began their meals. You may remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, Luke writes, taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing over them, and then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. To break bread is simply to eat together. They were, verse 46, they were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food. They're eating, eating a meal together. It was a community supper. Now, if you've been around Cornerstone very long, you may have noticed we do a lot of meals. You may have noticed we, we in, invest a lot. The announcements this morning. Another meal coming up, a spring Picnic. Lord knows we need it. I think we can say we are devoted to the breaking of bread. Not sure about prayer, but the breaking of bread, we're devoted. This is why. It's not uncommon for people to make a comment to me about the hospitality of this church. I want, to, I want to encourage you in your hospitality. This is no small thing. In Romans, Paul said, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Peter wrote, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's why we have a ministry team you can sign up for today. Dedicated to providing hospitality. And they do it with joy without any grumbling. You see them at work in the kitchen. They're the happiest people in the church. And they're working harder than us all. Providing food. Hospitality is important. Last year the hospitality team did hot wintery beverages. 
They did an Easter egg hunt like they'll do this coming Saturday. And they served lunch. They made 600 hot dogs. We had an ice cream sundae. They had cornucopia. They made chili for 1,400 people. They had fall treats. They had Christmas cookies. They had lemonade on the lawn, banana pudding on the lawn, popsicles on the lawn, barbecue on the lawn. Sometimes I bet they wish we didn't have a lawn. (laughs) They served pizza lunch which we thought was going to be easier, but then they had to come up with tons of cookies. They had 60 people for dinner at the Forum five weeks in a row. They served food for Legacy every other Tuesday night. They had breakfast for the the Foundry every other Friday morning. We had five guest lunches. For family night, they prepared dinner for hundreds of people. So we could break bread together. And don't forget the donuts and coffee. Every Sunday morning in that very special Sunday. We call Chicken Biscuit Sunday. Thank you hospitality team. Scarlett Cornell. Caitlin Brundage. Kelly Lamar. Caleb Bowers. Christy Cormany. Give it up for Matt Bowers. And Matt Cormany, because they eat the food. <laughs> they have to prepare the food. They have to schedule every detail. They have to recruit the teams. Thanks to Jay Cronin for overseeing it for the pastoral team. Breaking bread together. They were devoted to breaking bread together. It's critical for the fellowship of the church. And finally, number four, they devoted themselves to the prayers, Luke says. They devoted themselves to the prayers. This is one of the elements he highlights. They were devoted to the prayers. Apparently, this is a a reference to the specific prayers. Not just prayer in general. There were set times of prayers at the temple, and they were devoted to those prayers. If you look down in chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were devoted to these scheduled prayer times. You know, we, we began this year with a study of the Lord's Prayer, and we had a prayer week. We do a prayer week each year. We desire... To be devoted to prayer. When they were eating their meals, they were praising God. So they they didn't just pray during the temple prayer times. They certainly prayed at home when they were in small groups. When they ate, they prayed. They were praying for the needs they had. They were praying for the needs of others. It was a significant part of their fellowship. They... The apostles were devoted to prayer. We'll learn they they recruited servants so they wouldn't be distracted, so they could devote themselves to prayer and ministry of the word. Acts 4 says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. God was answering 
their prayer. Prayer explains the book of Acts. It explains this church. Bold prayers. Luke's gospel has an emphasis on prayer. He, he tells the story about a friend asking for help in the middle of the night. It's, it's a parable Jesus told to encourage boldness in prayer. The friend was rude. His, his friend wouldn't come give him what he wants, so he got rude. He was disrespectful. Jesus' point is, that's how we should be with God. Luke includes the parable Jesus told about the persistent widow so that we would always pray and not get discouraged and not lose heart. So he tells us, This parable about this widow who this unrighteous judge won't give her what she needs. So she just keeps coming. And finally, the unrighteous judge gives it to her because she's going to wear him out. Jesus tells this parable so that the church would always pray like this. They were devoted to prayer. They heard this parable. They knew That Jesus had promised to hear their prayers and answer their prayers. And they were praying. They were devoted to prayer. And guess what? The Lord was answering their prayers. The Spirit was poured out. And I don't don't see these disciples saying, Would you, Lord? Would you, Lord? Would Would you shake this place? Would you? I don't see them praying like that. I think they were bold. I think they were coming and and being disrespectful and fervent in their prayers, remembering his promise. He loves it when we pray. He wants us to come. We don't have to ask him a question. He's already told us, I will answer your prayers. He invites us to pray. He wants us to pray. And they were devoted to prayer. Writer of Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near, confidence, boldness to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Verse 43, all came upon every soul. There was the fear of the Lord and many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles in answer to prayer. That's the context. So everything we read about, we can just... No, it has to do with their devotion to prayer. The one who entered Jerusalem on the first Palm Sunday has ascended into heaven and he's poured out his spirit on the church. He isn't gone. He is with his disciples always. Just as he promised in the Great Commission. And all should be in the church today. There should be the fear of the Lord because He is present. Lord, make Yourself known, I pray. Manifest Your presence through Your Spirit. Let the church have this this true sense of God's presence. And let, let great fear come on all of us. The church, Luke says, was having favor with all the people. The Lord was adding to their number. It was a sovereign work of the Spirit. Those who were being saved. Verse 47. They were being saved. It was a sovereign work of the Spirit. And he's adding them. The ascended Lord himself 
It's drawing people to the church. It's, it's a very attractive picture. Like so many others who were converted in the 60s and 70s, today's text had a significant impact on my life. I think there was a revival, and in the midst of that, there was a renewed view, a different perspective of the church. And so many of us read this text And so many of us heard this text preached. And many people had never been to church or the churches they had been to weren't inspiring. They weren't attractive. They didn't adorn the gospel like this one does. But this is is the picture. This is a model church. And like so many others, this, this... Changed my perspective. You never heard anybody talking about loving the church. But then when God began to do a work in so many lives and you saw this, it it was a primary reason many in my generation did a 180 on the church. And suddenly something that was so irrelevant. Some people just didn't like the church. Some people didn't even know what the church was. But then it suddenly became central. It became a a passion, something they were devoted to, this text. I think the Lord wants us to discover this love for the church. Resist all the negativity. Fight against it. Don't let it affect your soul. Cultivate a love for the church. Let's plant a new church. Won't that be fun? This is why. Can you have too many churches like this? I don't think so. Let's plant a church. This this text explains why we'd be so excited about that. J.I. Packer again. What the Spirit does for the individual believer... He does for him not as a person being granted a private experience, which has nothing to do with anyone else, but as one who is made a member of the church of God. The blessing, which thus becomes his or hers, is one that he shares with the whole company of God's believing people. He makes him a living member of the one body. And the new life, To which he is now called is a life to be lived, not in isolation, but in fellowship. In a couple weeks, we have a class creatively called the ECCK class, the Exploring Cornerstone class. You don't have to be added to this church. If you're interested in in what we believe and what we're about, this is a class for you, April 16th, two weeks. You don't have to be added to this church. But if you want to apply the New Testament model, you can't live your Christian life in isolation. You need to find a church. We'll help you find a church. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us that we love this church, this Acts chapter 2 church. I hope we love our local church. 
but we, we really must love this church. God bought this church with his own blood. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this attractive picture that we have of the church. But I know you want us to discover our spiritual gifts and build your church for your glory. So I pray, Lord, do a work in our hearts. Refresh our love for the church. I thank you for the folks in this church who do love their church. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you. That's evidence of grace, evidence that your spirit is at work. And I pray, Father, that there would be a sense of awe in our midst as we realize you are in our midst and what you are doing. And we pray for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.